0: In the realm of true crime, every crime scene tells a story. Every story has its truths. These are the stories from inside the crime scene tape that separates fact from fiction. In the last episode, we learned that Kenneth McDuff started leaving a string of victims a few days after walking out of prison on parole. Local police either missed or ignored clues that could have stopped the killing spree that lasted two and a half years. The kidnapping of 22-year-old Melissa Northrup from a Waco convenience store spurred a group of aggressive Texas lawmen to form an old-style posse. U.S. Marshals, a U.S. attorney... An undercover prison investigator and a cracked deputy sheriff get on the trail of Kenneth McDuff. All roads lead to his mother, Addie McDuff, known as the Pistol Packin' Mama. The case of Kenneth Allen McDuff raises the age-old question about serial killers. Was McDuff the product of nature or nurture? Did genetics create this violent, uncaring monster? Or did McDuff's home life rob him of every ounce of compassion? One thing is clear McDuff's mother, Addie McDuff, known as the Pistol Packin' Mama, enabled a psychopath. Three days after Melissa Northrop vanished in Waco, Addie McDuff reported that her son was missing. Kenneth McDuff's missing persons report landed on the desk of Bell County Deputy Sheriff Tim Steglich.
1: I called Addie McDuff to talk to her about the situation. Uh, I asked the, the general questions, has he ever left before, knowing in the back of my mind that she either knew where he was or he wasn't actually missing in the first place. And so it just kind of progressed from there. I'm looking for a guy that has just uh, jumped parole.
0: Filing a missing persons report is an old ploy used by ex-cons to try to throw the law off their trail. MacDuff's mother reported MacDuff missing a few days before he became the marshal's prime suspect in the kidnapping of Melissa Northrup. Remember, MacDuff wasn't yet a suspect. Steglitz figured MacDuff had jumped parole and had asked his mother to file the report to cover it up. Steglitz drove to McDuff's parents' home in Belton. They're located midway between Waco and Austin, the two cities with unsolved kidnappings. Steglitz encountered the definition of a dysfunctional family.
1: They were elderly already. They had a successful uh, business in construction. I believe it was house foundations, which is a bit disturbing after knowing uh, that he was in the uh, concrete business. But... Uh, uh, Addie McDuff controlled the house. She would tell her husband to shut up <clears throat> when I was interviewing them. And I was having to tiptoe around the Waco and the Austin issues at the time, and I'm trying to find her son for her. This is, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help you. And she was evasive. I knew she'd been talking to him uh, periodically. And so uh, she was a terror. And I think he may have been a mama's boy, and very much so, which attributed to some of his traits.
0: Did you feel threatened by her in her presence?
1: Not physically. Not at all, and certainly not by her husband. Yeah. Uh, She was a fairly large woman. Hmm. What would you leave there thinking? The bitch knows where he is. And I was getting pretty frustrated with her. She probably did not know exactly where it was, but she was not being honest about any of it.
0: When the marshal started hunting McDuff, Steglitch went back to his parents' house to ask more questions. His supervisor was concerned that McDuff might be hiding out there, waiting to ambush Lawman. So Steglitch asked prison investigator John Moriarty to back him up. Moriarty says Addie McDuff fit the serial killer profile to
2: a T. I mean, McDuff's mother was was very overbearing, um, real loud. Um, when you look at when you look at the profiles of serial killers, and they talk about their mothers being overbearing and domineering, and domineering, and and uh, God, I mean, she fit it to a T. His father was old and frail and was with me in the living room, and so I struck up a conversation with him. And uh, during the conversation, I said to him, well, what do you think about this whole thing? And, of course, now you've got to back up that when he was 19, when he killed those others, he was working for the old man and doing construction. And the old man just looked at me and said, well, it's kind of like having a dog. You know you know what they're doing when you're there, but you don't know what they're doing when you're not. Kind of another chilling uh, uh, fact of even the old man knew.
0: The next lawmen to come knocking on Addie McDuff's door were U.S. Attorney Bill Johnston and U.S. Marshal Parnell McNamara.
3: We had gotten a search warrant for the mother and father's house on Cedar Creek Road in Bell County, outside of Temple. So we took uh, Tim Steglich with Bell County S.O., a bunch of marshals down there with us, and uh, we raided the house. And so she came up to me. We told her we were looking for him because uh, one of our informants had seen some things in the house that led him them to believe that he had been there or was there at the time they were there so we got the search warrant went down there immediately she came running up to me and uh, said uh, please whatever you do don't hurt junior call him junior you know here's six foot four 270 been on death row multiple murder, and he's called junior by his mother and said she ain't he ain't done nothing and he ain't hurt nobody and i said are you telling me you don't believe that he killed those three kids back in 1966 and she said he said he didn't and i know he didn't and so i realized right then you know she was a big part of the problem and so then we met his father who came up during the search warrant and uh The pickup that he had run the police roadblock with uh, Brenda Thompson tied up in uh, and got away and then killed her shortly after he got away from the Waco Police Department was in the driveway. And so it had a receipt in there that we got where the windshield had been put in by, you know, a Auto
0: glass place where his victim had kicked it out. Where his
3: where Brenda Thompson had kicked the windshield out when the police saw her tied up in there. So the father uh, came over and he said, "If he did what y'all said he did, uh, just go ahead and kill him." Uh, Quite the opposite of what the mother said, but that was the father's attitude when we were there, and he was just very matter of fact. If he did what y'all said he did then you might as well just go ahead and kill him.
0: Bill Johnston says Addie McDuff was the original helicopter mother taken to the extreme.
4: He didn't have much nurture. Well, he had nurture, but it was the wrong kind. So McDuff's mother was mean as a snake, surly, ornery, uh, rude, unpleasant in every respect. And his father was uh, uh, interesting. His father, I recall we were in the garage and his father was out there. His father said, that boy's cost me, talking about Kenneth, that boy's cost me a million dollars or something like that. And he said, when you find him, you can kill him if you want to. Just as a matter of fact. Now, Mrs. Addie Macduff, the old witch mother, said her her great line of the day was y'all don't frame him like you did the last time you're talking about his 66 case yeah killing right in fort worth texas so she was the big denier and daddy was had had it with him Uh, but they were terrible terrible human beings and and not much different than you would have expected and I guess you, along the way you found he had abused family members and stuff. Right. There were sisters that came forward. Parnell talked to a number of them. He was abusive when he was very young. He had sisters that were in the single-digit age that he was sexually abusing. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a sick freak from when he was very young.
0: Dan Stotes, who led the Marshall Service Task Force, says McDuff's mother was one of the hardest and meanest people he
5: ever questioned during 33 years of hunting fugitives. He had no humanity about himself. Talking to his mother, dealing with uh, the sister. He, has a, he, had a, he had a sister. She's in the hospital. She's, uh, she's, she, I forget what operation she was going through. She explained to me after we became, we dropped the barriers that he rolled her on the side and raped her, his own sister. After the operation, this guy had no, no. Uh, he he was inhuman. But Mama thought he did no wrong. Tell us yeah. about her. You're dealing with her. Oh, my, my, yeah, Addie was a Addie was a piece of work. Addie Addie loved her son very very much, and he did no wrong. And no matter what you tell her, no matter how you dealt with her, uh, you couldn't convince her any other ways. Any other ways. Stoltz resorted to another tactic
0: to get Addie McDuff to cooperate. Every night, his search helicopter shined its spotlight into her house. Stoltz thought a dose of insomnia might make the
5: pistol-packing
0: mama give up her son. It didn't
5: work. So my approach was I say, and Addie, you know that light that's shining in there? And she said, yes, I think you're all giving me cancer. And I said, okay, you figured us out, Addie. And so every night when that light would hit her, I would call her up and say, how are you feeling today? So, again, there was no, no uh, talking reality to her, saying your son needs to come in. He's harming people. She, uh, so you just had to play her game. You're trying to break her down to give yes. up her son. No sleep. That's what I was trying to do. Uh-huh. So we could approach her and talk to her sensibly. Did it work? No, did not. She's that tough? She was tough. She was tough. I think deep down inside, my personal opinion, my personal opinion is that McDuff's mother... Uh, was so entwined with this young man. I think there was a different relationship between him and his mother. They were, they were, they were very, very close. Uh, the sisters, uh, the other kids, seemed like they that uh, they had to protect Macduff. Uh, um, that no matter what the mother said. Uh, No matter what McDuff would do, the mother was always there to protect protect McDuff, Mm -hmm. and they were, they were, uh, that was a, that was a a tough, the mother was just amazing. I've never met anybody like her. There was, she was stand fast. She was so loyal to that, that young man, but he was an animal.
0: Author Gary Laverne says some of the lawmen confided to
6: him that they were just a little bit afraid of Addie McDuff. McDuff's older brother had some problems on a school bus, and she is uh, reported to have approached the bus driver with uh, with a pistol that she had in her purse. And it was it was believed widely among the people of Rosebud that she just had a pistol in her purse at all times. And I will say this. Now I I know you've had a lot of other um, uh, law enforcement people on this program. All of them are people I I admire and I'm friends with. But each one of them told me in very hushed tones that they were they were more afraid and were more careful with her than with him. Because with McDuff you knew what you were dealing with. You uh, and if he did something you'd just just shoot him you know and who's gonna who's gonna blame you for that you know you're dealing with kenneth mcduff with his mother though and with other members of his family who were just kind of weird you can't you, you just have to be careful and you don't know what they're going to do uh in many ways that that woman was just believed to be crazy and how do you deal with someone like that
0: next on true crime reporter deputy sheriff tim Steglitch breaks the case wide open Steglish obtains a confession from Macduff's accomplice. It is a journey into darkness. He's
1: the epitome of evil. Just a totally evil person.
0: We want to be your favorite podcast and we'll appreciate your review wherever you are listening to this podcast. If you have a suggestion or know of a case we should look into, email us at fan at truecrimereporter.com. To follow our email messages with updates and bonus information from episodes, please join our fan base at truecrimereporter.com. True Crime Reporter is a trademarked and copyrighted news production, hosted and written by me, Robert Riggs, executive producer Elizabeth Arnold, producer and operations manager Grace Woodward, producer Siler Burr, original music for the Free to Kill series Blair King, Sound design for Free to Kill, Matt Stoker. Graphics, Brian David Kerr. You can read more about all of our news team members at truecrimereporter.com. Please tell your friends who love true crime that they can bypass secondhand tales and get their true crime fix here with authentic stories straight from the source. Tell them that True Crime Reporter is one of the few podcasts where you can hear raw unfiltered accounts from law enforcement victims, and even convicted criminals. And sign up for my free newsletter on the homepage of truecrimereporter.com. It's your gateway to a world of knowledge and awareness in the realm of true crime and your personal safety. Thanks for listening, and until we meet again, be prepared,
2: don't get scared. This is Robert Riggs reporting.